Okay. We're in Perek Chavbet, Pasuk Aleph, Parashat Kitetze. Just want to share with you a Hidush from Eretz Yisrael. That's how we start. In days of uh, old authentic Jews, when they used to go to Eretz Yisrael, they came back with souvenirs. But they were not uh, falafel balls. Or other uh, gadgets. The souvenirs were the Torah. That's why you see in the Gemara many times when a rabbi came from Israel, so he said the following. He said, Oh, and I was in Israel. He was came back to Babel. They would travel to Israel. He came back with a Hidush, with something that he learned over there. So we'll follow the pattern of our history and our rabbis. We'll begin with the Pasuk that talks about a very famous halacha, a halacha of Hashavat Aveda. Torah says, You're not allowed to see the ox of your friend. The ox is an example. Or Seyo, or his sheep. Another example. Nidahim. The word Nidahim means they're pushed away, they're lost. If you see someone's animal that's lost, again, it's just an example. It doesn't only mean animals, it can mean any lost object. It's interesting that the Torah uses examples like an ox or a sheep, but in reality, it's an example for any lost object. We'll see later why they use specifically those examples. So the Torah says, if you find a lost object, Hashev teshivem le'achicha. Make sure you return the object to your friend. There is an entire perek in Masechet Baba Metzi'ah that talks about the laws of lost objects. How to deal with them, how to take care of them. It's not a simple halakha to fulfill. Because you have to take the item and you have to keep looking for the owner, you have to upkeep the item until you're able to give it to him whole, which means you got to feed it. Sometimes you have to sell it because it may end up being worth very little by the time he gets it. There's all types of laws. Torah says, Hashem Teshivem, make sure you return the lost object. Now this lost object has nothing to do with you. It's something you found on the road while you're walking and you happen to see it. So the Torah says, be careful not to see the ox or the sheep or any lost object of your friend. We learned this a few months back. We said the Torah is warning us not to make believe like we don't see. She says, Kovesh Ayin. Kovesh Ayin means you close your eyes. Keilu Enoro as if he makes believe like he didn't see it. And we explained that this is really hard to understand. Who, who is the person that is worried? Right? It says, Ke'ilu It's as if he didn't see it. So we learned that one of the big yetzerah there is in a person is to not 
take responsibility. A person can actually convince himself that there's nothing there for him to do. We explained once that it is a power within the human that you could see something in front of you, something you need to do, and make believe you don't need to do it. Now, in reality, if you don't want to, if you don't want to do it, just don't do it. Why do you have to make believe that it's not there? Right? Again, you have a mitzvah, you have an obligation, you have to do something, whether it's for, for Hashem or it's for another person. So you don't want to do it, don't do it. But why does the person want to make believe that there's no obligation? That's easier. Obviously, the reason is when you have an obligation and you don't do it, you don't fulfill it, you don't feel good. So the easier thing on your soul and on your emotion would be to imagine that there's no obligation. This person is not trying to fool people. He's not trying to fool others. He's trying to fool himself. He doesn't want obligation. Because once there's obligation, then you have to work. And by nature, we don't like to work. So therefore, and we don't feel good not doing an obligation. So therefore, within the human ability, just remember this, within the human mind, he has the ability to make believe he didn't see or doesn't recognize the obligation in front of him. So the Torah warns us, be careful not to use this tool of the Yetzirah. Make sure, it's not only by lost objects, in anything in life, make sure you don't ignore your obligation. Life brings you obligations. Sometimes there are things that you knew about when you woke up in the morning. And sometimes there are things you only found out after you woke up. And some things you only found out in the middle of the day. They are the obvious obligations to your family and to people around you. There are obligations when you make a lot of money. There are obligations also when you lose money, God forbid. There are obligations in all areas of life. Like I said, some of them you expect, some of them you want, some of them you don't want. Usually we don't like extra obligation because it takes effort and takes time and may require sometimes a change of course. So Torah says, warning, you have an obligation. I put a lost object there. You happen to see it. Why you happen to see it, that's my job. You could just ignore it and make believe like you didn't see it. Let the guy after you pick it up. No. If you find yourself in life that you need to do something based on who you are, where you are, what you've been given or what you've not been given, do not ignore your obligation. There are people who have had children that are not so well. That's not a great thing. It's not such great news if you're told that your child is not going to be 100%. It's actually very difficult news. But right there and then creates an obligation on you. First of all, you have to take care of them. Not like a normal child. But it also creates a new obligation because now you know what it feels like to have that child. And now you know what it feels like for thousands like you who have that child. And you're able to understand the needs of these families. That's why 
when you walk into a beautiful building like I did in Yerushalayim, I don't know how many, maybe 200,000 square feet, without exaggerating, of just a building full of programs and kids and families and taking care of so many children that need help. You would imagine that the guy who opened it up was somebody who was well-to-do, someone who made a lot of money, probably a billionaire, who everything was going great in his life, and he was sitting once by his pool, thinking about what he should be doing with his money and with his abilities, and he probably opened that building to help people who are not privileged like himself. That's what you would imagine. Who else can open up such a building? But of course, that's not the case. The case is that the people who opened it up did not have any money. The people who opened it up were not living a great life. They actually had one of these children and they didn't know what to do with him. And they realized that there's not a lot of help out there or not enough the way they thought that could happen. And they took on such a project to help not only themselves and their children, but to help other children as well. So, so sometimes even a negative thing could create an opportunity. That's how life is. So be careful, says the Torah. Do not fall into this trap. If you have an obligation, don't make believe you don't. How do you make believe? Easy. You say, why me? The guy behind me, he could do better returning the object. I'm sure you can have a hundred excuses why you're not the guy to return it. You know, I'm a very busy person. The guy behind me is not as busy as me. He knows how to investigate better than me. He's smarter than me. He's probably closer to the guy than me. I'm not from around here. How many excuses could you give when you see a lost object to say it's not you? I'm sure we could think of a 10 or 15 right on the spot. Says the Torah, all these are ways of getting out of your obligation. Do not do it. Rather, Hashem gave you an obligation in life. Step up and do it. So therefore, taking on obligations in life actually, actually is the key to greatness. If you see a great person or a failure, the one clear difference between them is there's a person who took on obligation and a person who didn't. If you take on obligations more and more in your life, take on more people to help, more to do, more to accomplish, more to build, the more you take on responsibility, the more you'll be able to accomplish. And when you don't take on responsibility, you won't have the ability to help people or to do what you need to do for yourself and for others. Simple. That's not what I came to tell you today. I had this zikhud of hearing the Rosh Hashiva of Hebron, of David Cohen, Hashem Ishmerehu, and he said a most beautiful idea that I want to share with you. There is a beracha that one is supposed to say when his son becomes bar mitzvah. I don't know if you're aware of this beracha. Your son turns 13. So you say a beracha. Baruch shepetarani. Thank Hashem who has made me exempt from the punishment of this kid which means simply the father is now responsible for this kid turns 13 now it's his responsibility 
So Yimiga Biracha, thank you, Hashem. I am now exempt from the punishment of this kid, meaning whatever he does going forward is on his account. I relinquish responsibility from him. He's now responsible for himself. This is the Biracha that is recited when a son becomes a bar mitzvah. Now there's a question if you say it with Hashem's name, without Hashem's name, there's a question if you say it all together. Okay. Many say it, they just say it, Baruch, Shepetarani Me'on Shoshazim. So the rabbi said a story, I don't remember the name, so I, I, you forgive me. He spoke about a great rabbi, a man came to him, he has a 13-year-old son, and he's getting uh, bar mitzvah, so he asked the rabbi for a beracha for his son, and then he asked this rabbi, this great man, he says, do I make a beracha for this boy that's turning bar mitzvah? Should I say with Hashem's name, the beracha, Baruch, Ata, Hashem, Shepetarani, Me'on, Shoshelzeh, that I am now exempt from this obligation. So the rabbi told him, for this boy, he says, for sure you could say it. You could say it with Hashem's name, make the full beracha without a question. Father got a little shaken up. Basically, he's telling him that you're lucky that you're no longer obligated for this kid. Okay. He continued. This boy grew up. He went to yeshiva. He grew to be a tremendous young man. A tremendous Talmid Hakam, A beautiful Baal Midot. Really one of the top boys you could say in the Israel yeshiva world. And now it got time for him to get married. Talking 10 years later. So now he takes... His father takes him to his rabbi, this same great man, and he says, you know, I'd like to get a beracha for my son. He's getting married. He says, beracha ve'atzlacha, you should be zochet to build a bayin ne'eman Israel. Nice. After the boy leaves, the man stays and talks to the rabbi. He says, rabbi, I want to share with you something. It's been sitting on my heart heavy for many years. And... Uh, I want to ask you, if you don't mind, a little bit of an understanding. I came to you about 10 years ago, asking you if I should make the biracha on this boy, and you said, do it, Bashem, this boy, for sure you could do it. He said, I thought I'm going to have some rasha growing in my house. What kind of boy I thought? I got very, very upset. And, uh, but I see, look how this boy turned out. Beautiful boy. By the way, one big Musa from that story is he waited 10 years to ask a question. Could you imagine? People here wouldn't even ask questions. They start throwing rocks. But he waited 10 years to ask something he didn't understand. He says, what were you saying? Why did you say that to me? So the rabbi said, he said, let me ask you a question. Does it make sense to you that a person has a responsibility, a harayut, for someone. And he makes a blessing that Baruch Hashem, I don't have any more responsibility. He says, since when does a Jew bless the Creator that he has less responsibility? We need more responsibility. 
Why would we make a beracha? Thank you, Hashem, I'm no longer responsible. Since when do we make such berachot? He says, imagine you're responsible for someone or for something and you decide not to take responsibility. What happens? He says, there's only one time in life or one situation in life that you can be happy for not taking any more responsibility. So what is that? When the one you're responsible for can take his own responsibility. When he can take his own responsibility, so that's better for him than you take responsibility for him. It's better for your son if you take responsibility for your son. Say he's a katan. He's a very small person. You want your son to be a gadol, not a small person. When does your son become a gadol? When he takes on his own responsibilities. When he pays his own bills. When his Torah becomes his. When he goes to yeshiva. Because he wants to, not because his father sent him. When he does what he's supposed to do because it's his responsibility. That is a great blessing for a father. He said, when I saw your son 10 years ago, I saw a beautiful young man. I saw a young man who had a beautiful face of Kiddushah on him. I said, for this boy, you can make the Berachah B'Shem Malchut. Because when you relinquish responsibility, you are giving it to him. He's taking it. That's the right time to make the Berachah Baruch Shepetarani Me'on Shoshazeh. Which means, in simple English, means two things. It means that the greatest thing we could do for our children is to give them the ability to take responsibility on their own. Very often parents feed their children a lot. They're always feeding them. I don't mean only money and only food. But they're always, they're always holding their hand. They're always walking them through every step of life. There comes a time when we need to see even a two-year-old sometimes. you got to give him a chance to be a two-year-old. Give him a chance to choose which snack he wants. On his level, that's all he can manage. That's already considered. Give him the responsibility. Don't hand him the, the snack. You ask him, which one do you want to get? So go get it. Responsibility that we continue to hold on to is selfish. Very often parents, they're very selfish. They want to hold on to their children. So they hold on to them by taking over their responsibilities. If I pay your bills, you have no choice but to come to me. If I'm the one who's handling you know, your business, your finances, you have no choice but to come to me. And of course, parents enjoy their children, usually. And they want their children always close to them. But the way you're going to get them close to you is by constantly feeding them and holding their hand. Now they're relying on you. To let go of your children, to be on their own, is an unselfish act from a parent's perspective. But you can only do it if the kid is ready to take responsibility. But you also have to learn how to give that responsibility over. The best thing we can do for our children is to give them the responsibility and not hold their hand in times when it's not needed. So this beracha, Baruch Shepetarani Me'on Shoshazeh, is a beautiful berachat to make, I say, not only for bar mitzvah. Anytime your son or daughter are ready for something in their life, you can make this berachat. Don't say Hashem's name. 
give over that responsibility. Now they're going to choose how they're going to continue in this area of their life. A smart parent and a loving parent and an unselfish parent will know how to let their children go. The, 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 I believe the experience is if you let your children go responsibly, they'll always come back to you. They want you, they want to be close to you. When you hold on too tight to them, then you risk either breaking them or losing them. So a smart person allows their children to be slowly independent and not to be tied to them too much and too long. This is a chokhmah. So therefore, this beracha, baruch shepetarani me'on shoshel zeh, like I said, it's not only for bar mitzvah. It's any time you can let go of a person who's able to take responsibility, let him do it. Whether it's in Torah, whether it's in waking up, whether it's in business, whether it's in kindness, let them do it when they can. This is something that we all must uh, take upon ourselves to remember. It's not so easy, especially if you love your children. You want them to be close to you and there's a yetzah not to do this. Okay, that's the hidush I heard in Israel that I wanted to share with you. There is a pasuk in this parasha. I want to read for you a Rambam. The Rambam says on a pasuk that says Lo talin nivlato. You know that pasuk? Maybe for you this Rambam. Here we go. You see it? Lo talin nivlato. And I want to show you that it's very relevant to us even though the context may not be so relevant. The Torah tells us, listen to this pasuk. The Torah says, We don't have this today. Imagine you have a person who's hayav mita, supposed to get a death sentence. Maybe he killed somebody, maybe he served idols, maybe he was mehalal Shabbat. He basically they took him to Beddin and he has to get killed. Vetalita oto al etz, and he was hung on a tree or hanged on a tree, on a piece of wood, not a tree. Says the Torah, lo talim nivlato al etz. Do not allow his body that's dead to be overnight hanging. Ki kavor tikverenu bayomahu. You must bury him on that day. Why? Why do you have to bury him on that day? Says the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvot. He counts this mitzvah number 66 in Lotase. Says the Rambam, Shehiziranu Hashem warned us not to leave a hanging person who's dead. He says, Kedeh. Why? In order. Shelo yithadesh mize pirsum birkat Hashem, which means the longer he's on the gallows, the more new PR is coming when people see him, people talking about him, and of course it's a hilul Hashem. So therefore, says that I'm says that I'm bam. Torah says the guy did a terrible sin. You had to punish him. 
right away, bury him. Why? Because if you leave him on, every time, every minute that he's on, it's another risk of somebody seeing him, asking why, what happened, what did he do, where did he go? And another, more talk and more talk and more Hilul Hashem. Like the Pasu says, Ki kilat Elohim talui. It's the curse of God when there is a guy hanging. What does that mean, the curse of God? It means the Hilul Hashem, the desecration of God, is continuous. Because every time somebody sees him, it's another opportunity to talk more and to talk more. This is a commandment in the Torah, one of the 365 negative mitzvot. Now you might ask me, what does that have to do with me? Today we don't hang people. So what does that have to do with us? So let me tell you what it has to do with us. There's a pasuk in Mishle that I want you to keep in your pocket. One of the most important pasukim you could put in your pocket to walk with every day. Ready for this one? Says Shalomo HaMelech. Look at this. Evil. He says Evil is a... Uh, we'll call him a fool for now. There's a more exact definition, but Evil for now is good. A foolish person. Bayom. Bayom, which means on the day that it happens. Yivada Kaso. He will make known why he's upset. I mean, someone upset him, someone didn't invite him, someone said something not nice about him. How long does it take for a foolish person to let everybody know how somebody did something so terrible to him? How long? Bayom. Which means that day he gets on the loudspeaker. And he starts saying, you believe what this guy did? Do you know what he said? And people say, what? He said that? What a rasha. What else did he say? And he said, well, I'll tell you more. He said, did this ever happen before to you? Oh, yeah. This guy's been doing this for a long time. He said this. He did that. How long... Does it take for a fool to let everybody know by Yom that day? He says, listen to this. Vechose. The word kose means mechase. What's mechase? Cover. Vechose kalon. A guy gets embarrassed. Someone said something very hurtful or very damaging to your reputation. Something not nice about your family. Something not nice about your children. Something not nice about your parents. Maybe about yourself. Someone is talking about you. That you did this, you did that, you were that, you were this. It's happened to everybody here. Someone didn't invite you. Someone invited you in the wrong time, in the wrong place, in the wrong way. You didn't get shishi, you got revi'i. Uh, so you got invited, but uh, they put that guy shishi, they put you revi'i. So you go home and say, you know, you believe in the internet? I, I support the shoe. I, I built the shoe. I'm the guy here. When they need something, they turn to me. Now they have Aliyot, they gave the guy Shishi. I got a V. But you know how many variations there are of that? Countless variations. The guy you work for said something to you that's not so nice. He called you a name. He did something. You go home and you... You start to talk about it. 
says Shalomo Melech, one of the key strategies in life. He calls the guy Arum. You know what Arum is? Arum means cunning. Very clever. Which means in life, not always situations happen the way you like. But even then you have to be Arum. A clever person is able to take a bad situation and just deflate it. Diffuse it. He says, Vechose Kalon. Arum. What does the Arum do? Whenever he has an unpleasant situation, an embarrassing situation, what does he do? He doesn't let it hang on the gallow for everyone to see. He's not a tipesh to let it hang on. So everyone who sees it again talks about it. Another conversation. Another conversation. No, no, no. Something embarrassing takes place in your life, you bury it. Jose Kalon, you bury it. You don't talk about it with anybody, especially your wife. If you want to talk about it with your rabbi, maybe. But do not talk with your wife about it. That's a terrible mistake husbands make and wives. Do not talk to your wife about an embarrassing situation that happened in shul where somebody gave you a dig, where the rabbi said something to you. They took you instead of shishi, they gave you revi. You went to your wife and said, you believe this guy? After all I did from... And by the way, your wife, she'll be totally with you. She'll say, I can't believe what he did. That's so terrible. And you're going to feel good. You're going to go home and say, this rabbi you did. He brought us a pasuk in Mishleh. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Guys, I'm Look how good I feel. I shared it with my wife and my children too on the Shabbat table. And they gave me such consolation. They told me, oh, you're right. I can't believe it. The guy is this. The guy is that. You might feel when you share. And that's what happens. It's a big yetzerah. One of the big yetzerahs, you feel... When you call out somebody, you feel that what you're doing is bringing the guy down. That's what you're trying to do, really. And by bringing the guy down, because now you've basically announced this guy doesn't invite the right people to shishi. This guy doesn't know how to talk. This guy, look how he embarrasses people. That's really what you're announcing. You're announcing how terrible that person is. Because you're feeling good that now that he's terrible in their eyes, so now you are not so bad. That's really what's happening. What's happening is you're trying to raise yourself by knocking him down. So anyone will say it's not such a right thing to do. But it's, so, it's not even what, you, what you're doing in reality is you're bringing yourself down. What you're doing is you're putting in people's minds that you're not so hashu. Here's a guy, he thought you were hashu. He didn't know you didn't get invited for shishi. All this time he thought you only get shishi. This guy is only shishi. And now who told him that you don't get shishi? You, you're a dim. Why do you have to tell him for? Why did you have to tell your wife that the guy called you a name? One day she might realize that the guy is right. Because now you put in her mind 
that the guy called you a lazy bum. When you told her, she said, oh, I can't believe it. She even started crying for you. She'll put it on the gallow. Oh, be there. Don't put in people's minds negative experiences, especially if they're married to you, especially your children, especially people who are close to you. Do not share with them any embarrassing experience. The opposite, take it off the gallow and bury it. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't talk about the situation. You know how many times we've buried ourselves instead of burying the item? People do it all the time. All in the name of trying to feel better, but they're making themselves worse. That's what the Basuk is teaching you. Hashem says, listen, I'm an example. Remember I told you many times, we learn Hashem is an example for us to follow. We're an image of God. When someone does a terrible crime, he murders somebody. That's a desecration of God's name. God told the guy, don't kill. What does he do? He kills. So he deserves to be punished. Great. God said, do me a favor. Take him off the gallows, ASAP. Put him in the ground. I don't want people to continue to talk about me. About God. That Look at this guy. Another Hilul Hashem. Another guy knows... I don't want people to know that this guy killed. The less people that know he killed, the less it is for me. I don't want it to be known. So Hashem says, I don't want negativity being spread about me. So I cover it in the ground. So too every person. Shlomo Amelech, beautiful words. Vechose kalon arum. If you cover up your embarrassment, you're a strategic, smart, cunning person. Your wife will respect you more. The people around you will respect you more because they never heard of anything bad about you because you never share anything bad about you. If people outside do it, try to cover it. This is a tremendous advice that I'm sure everybody here has fallen in this area in life. But we got to start now. You have to know it's like that in many ways. There are today people who think that when we talk about the Holocaust to the Goyim, so we're making them more love us. They're going to have more Rahmanut for us when they hear that Hitler killed six million Jews. They're going to feel such compassion for our state, for our country, for our people, there's going to be less anti-Semitism. You should know, although it sounds smart and many smart people use this tactic and they're doing it from their good heart, they're not bad people. But you have to know it does exactly the opposite. If something in our history happened that's not so good, don't talk about it. Hide it. Put it away. Because you know, sometimes the guy in his heart, he really doesn't really like you so much. He has his reasons why. Maybe he doesn't like your house. Maybe he doesn't like the way you spoke to him. Maybe he saw a guy on a Jew on vacation that didn't act so nicely and didn't represent us so well. You know, each guy's got his thing. 
Maybe he had a neighbor that was very loud and very obnoxious and he became our representative and now he hates Am Yisrael. When you share with them all the accounts of certain things in our history, you know what they'll say? Oh, wow. Good idea. They got it right. They won't tell you that. I mean, some in fact are saying that. But most of them, they don't tell you outright. But you're planting in their heart another form of hatred. We don't need to give them more bullets to shoot at us. This is a very important lesson. Not just on a personal level, but on a family level. Someone embarrassed your family. Hide it. Someone embarrassed Am Yisrael. We have embarrassing moments in our history. Cover it. Don't spread it. Don't talk about it. It's not going to help you. You can only back to hurt, to haunt you. Now, one more and then we can go. I don't mean to say that if someone embarrassed you or did something that's not respectful to you, that you should ignore it. I'm not saying that. You should think, why the guy didn't invite me? I thought he should. Why didn't he? It could be, not always, but it could be you did something wrong to him. It could be when someone said something not nice about you, let's say he called you lazy. It could be you are. Don't dismiss that. A great person always thinks about what was said, even if it was said in anger or hatred, but actually thinks maybe it's right. I don't mean to say ignore it for yourself. If something happened in our history that was terrible, we should share it within, within each other. We should talk about the Holocaust. Oh yes, we need to talk about the Holocaust. We need to talk about what happened in the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. We do talk about it. Because that's within our family. Our people were embarrassed. We need to learn from that. But to go and expose it to other people and let everybody else know about it, that's not so smart. Yes, stay within yourself and figure out what the solution and why that might have happened so you could learn from it. Now, one last thing. One last thing. The beginning of the parasha begins talking about a famous, famous halakha in the Torah. Talks about the soldier, the holy soldier who went through all the testing of who can go to war. They asked some very pointed questions before they went to war. That if somebody, and what kind of avera, the smallest avera. Guy spoke uh, in the tefillah. If he spoke in the tefillah, they told him, don't go to war. Because it's not the war that's going to kill you. It's your sin that's going to kill you. Stay home. So after they went through one, two, three, all the questions, the only people left, uh, who's left after that? Only tzaddikim, only righteous people. It says, When you go to war, Hashem will give you your enemy in your hands. You see amongst the spoils, you saw Eshet Yefato, a beautiful woman. You liked her. 
And then there's the laws of how you can marry her. Torah basically discusses how this soldier is being allowed to marry a woman that otherwise is not allowed to marry. But because you're in war and you liked her, we'll figure out a way to get you to be with her. Very interesting. Torah, the Gemara says, what kind of, what kind of heter is this? Well, not allowed to marry this woman. How is he allowed to take her? Says the Gemara, the Torah spoke to the Yetzirah. This guy's Yetzirah is too big. His Yetzirah is so big that he can't think straight. And if he can't do it, Hashem will not ask him to do the impossible. For this soldier, it's impossible for him not to take her. And therefore, Torah says, Mutar. It's the only time in the Torah where such a thing exists. But why is it impossible? Why is it so impossible? Let me tell you what makes it impossible. Look at the words clearly with me. Look at the second pasuk in the parasha. It says you go out to war. You won the war. It's victory time. You have spoils to bring back home. A lot of money, a lot of gold, a lot of silver. You're looking for as much as you can get so you can give and share with all the people back home. That's what the soldier's doing. Vera'ita bashivya. Look at that word. Vera'ita bashivya. And you saw in the spoils, your eyes were not safeguarded when they were looking for the spoils. Which means that this great desire that was impossible to hold back from. You know why? Because your eyes were looking for it. Or your eyes were not being cared for. You should know here the Torah is revealing to us. What makes a sin impossible to hold back from? There are times that people feel, I can't. There is no way I can control myself. I cannot do it. You tell the guy, you know, but it's bad for you. It's a sin. It's in, a sin in this world. It's not good for your marriage. It's not good for your... And he'll tell you, check, check, check. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I can't. I can't control myself. You know where lack of control comes from? Vera'ita bashivya. When you allow your eyes to roam and to look everywhere. For example, there's a certain street, not a good street for you to walk on. You decide to walk on it. You already put yourself at a situation where you may not be able to control yourself. But you already lost the battle because you're looking in the wrong places. When you look at the wrong things, you are going to be in a situation of uncontrollable. And, so you'll tell me, okay, so if I walk down that street, I went to that place, you're right, now I can't control myself. So it should be mutar. should be allowed. Just like, just like 
by the war where the guy was looking around. We gave him meheter. He can't control himself. The answer is, There was a reason for you to walk down that street. You didn't go there looking to look at this woman. You were going to fight a war. What are you supposed to do? Which means they gave you a license to walk down that street. You had no choice but to walk down that street. So that's why if in that situation you saw you can't control yourself, we'll let it go. But to volunteer to walk down that street, to do things, to walk down the wrong place or to see the wrong things or to turn on the wrong channel or to turn on the wrong screen, that's something you're doing with your own hand. There's no hate for that. You already fell when you turned on the screen. You already fell when you went to the wrong party or you went to the wrong place. You already fell. Don't tell me I couldn't control myself. You could control yourself. But after your eyes saw the wrong things and you did it voluntarily, there's nothing you could do about that. That's what it means. Vera'ita bashivya. Vera'ita means because you saw, you lost control. In the war where I made you go, there's nothing to do. But if, but if you chose that road, then there's no heter for what you're doing and you put yourself in an impossible situation. You have to know that frustrations from sins that all of us can agree are terrible sins come from being and looking in the wrong places, in the wrong circles. A person who's not looking has a lot more control. People might think, it's within themselves. No. The eyes are very powerful. Vera'ita bashivya. Vera'ita means, and you see. When you see, it becomes very difficult to control yourself. One last quick thing. In that pasuk it says, you know, this pasuk, ki la milhama, I think we spoke about it last year. It's also hinting to another war. Remember when we learned about that? Which war? The war of the Yetzirah. It says, When you go to war against the Yetzirah, go battle him. You have to go to war against the Yetzirah. Going to war means staying out of certain places. Staying away from certain situations. Going to war means making sure you're in the Bet Midrash every day. Every day you have to be in the Bet Midrash. That's what it says. When you want to bring your brother back from doing bad things, what should you do with him? It says, bring him back into the Bet Midrash. Let him learn every day. Every day you have to learn. If you learn every day, you'll be in a better place. Oh, So that's going to war. You're going to war against the enemy. Listen to this. If you go to war against the Yetzirah, you go to your rabbi, say, Rabbi, I'm having, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, I'm struggling with this. I need to go to war. What should I do? He gives you a plan, guaranteed. Hashem will give you He'll help you and you will beat you, Yetzirah. You'll conquer anything that you're struggling with if you go to war. Even the harder things like drinking and alcohol and drugs and all types of things that are very difficult. If you go to war, 
Guaranteed. Hashem will give this enemy in your hand. Listen to these words. Veshavita shivyo. What's shavita? Huh? You, 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 you capture shivyo what he captured from you. Notice, you go to war. After you win the war, you spoils. So you bring back the spoils. That's the literal meaning. What does it mean in the Yetzirah, Veshavita Shivyo? That you will grab what he took from you. Notice, by the way, it doesn't say Veshavita Oto. It doesn't say you'll be able to grab the Yetzirah. How come it doesn't say that? How come it doesn't say you'll be able to grab the Yetzirah and take him? How come? How come? Because you can't. The Yetzirah is with every human from the smallest to the greatest, the biggest Rosh Hashiva in the world. The Yetzirah still didn't give up on him. Don't think the Yetzirah that's sitting inside of you is uh, picking on you. Don't think you're the only target. Sometimes you feel like, like, what does he want from me? What? You, you see other people? No Yetzirah! I know people that I look at them, I say, these guys don't have a Yetzirah. That's what it looks like, but they have a Yetzirah. Everyone's got a Yetzirah. There is never, never a situation where you'll be in that you'll fight the Yetzirah and Hashem will give you the Yetzirah. No, no, no. You'll never get the Yetzirah. So what does it mean? Veshavita Shivyo. Gentlemen, I'm going to leave you with a beautiful thought that you'll never forget in your life. We say every day, we say every day in Tehillim, after Anna, when we sit down with David, Nefilat Apayim, listen to these words. This is Perekat Teshuvah. David Melech is talking to Hashem, begging him to forgive him for the sin of Bathsheba. He tells Hashem, listen to these words. Hatot ne'urai The sins of my youth Ufsha'ai Hatot is the one that I did by accident Pesha'ai, the ones I did on purpose The sins of my youth Altiskor Please Hashem, do me a favor Please, don't remember them Zechor kehazdecha According to your kindness but remember for me with your kindness. The pasuk makes no sense. He starts the pasuk saying, Please God, please do not remember the sins of my youth. And then he says the same pasuk. And according to your kindness, remember them for me. He just told them, don't remember them. I, we say this every day. Read it. Pasuk Zain in Le David in your Sidur. I'll say it again. Hatot The sins of my past. Please, Altiskor. God, please don't remember them. Forget them. Erase them. According to your kindness, he's so kind. Please remember them for me. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. One of the biggest obstacles to those who want to make teshuvah, 
We're in Chodesh Elul. One of the biggest obstacles of people who want to change. They want to change their Shabbat, their learning, their schedule, the way they, they look at things, the way they, the way they act. They want to change. Especially in this month of Elul. You see people that have a thirst to change. But one of the biggest fears of change, after all that I did, if you're only 13, it's easier. If you're 20, it gets a little harder. If you're 30, harder. If you're 50, much harder. The more you dug in in your life, the more difficult it is. You have a whole past. You have buckets and buckets of things that you did, the wrong words you said, the wrong actions, the Shabbat that you didn't keep, the food that you didn't eat, kosher. Forget it, you start looking in your bucket and you see yourself. Forget about it. Impossible. The more you've lived, the more you did, the more difficult it is. And very often a person starts thinking about his future and the only thing he can remember is his past. All the things that he's done. Says David Amalek, listen to these words. Hatot Hashem, please, do not remember the sins of my youth. Why does he say my youth? The sins of youth are done because the person wasn't mature or understanding enough. He wasn't thinking. It's not like a person when David is telling Hashem, my sins were not on purpose. Even if I did them on purpose. But they weren't on purpose. I was a young person. I wasn't thinking. I was all over the place. I had so many issues. I had friend issues. I had peer pressure issues. I grew up in a certain house. I grew up in a certain block. Hashem, please do me a favor. Hatot neorai of sha'ai. All the sins of my youth when I was young. Altiskor. Please, Hashem, don't remember them. I wasn't acting with full mind and a full responsibility of my mind. But then you'll tell me, but Hashem, wait. But what about when you got older? Okay, when you're 13, 14, 15, 18, you were a crazy teenager. 20, you got worse. 22, 23, you're all over the place. What excuse you have when you were 30? 35, 40? Today could be even 40s like the old 15 or 16. But you get older. Come on. You got more mature. What are you going to say then? Hashem, please. Remember the sins when I was young? Remember those sins that you erased? The ones you just erased. Remember those sins? You know what happens when you start doing bad sins when you're young? Just get into a habit. So even when I became more mature and I became more calculated and I started making decisions, but I was so engrossed because I was so used to living that life, I couldn't change. So when I was young, I wasn't thinking, please erase those. And then as I got older, now I am thinking. Please remember the ones that you erased. And those sins, when I was 30 and 40 and 50 and 60, are just an outcome of the 15-year-old that wasn't thinking, that got used to doing the wrong things. Think about it. The Averot that we know, that we do or others do. It's just an outcome of our youth when we weren't thinking and we just continue doing it. 
those zecholiata. Please remember my young sins, so that when you get to the older ones, you understand why I was still messing up, even though I was 60 years old, because I was still the product of the 15-year-old. And some explain no. Hazal tell us when a person makes teshuvah me'ahava, when you make teshuvah out of love, not out of fear, which means if you're sitting on your deathbed, God forbid, and you make teshuvah, okay, it's something, something. But when you make teshuvah me'ahava, Baruch Hashem, no issues in your life, nobody's dying, nobody's sick, nobody's losing all their money, things are okay. And you make teshuvah me'ahava. You realize Hashem loves me. I'm in this world. What can I give Him? And you start to change your life. This Elul Chodesh Rahamim. You start to change your life. Me'ahava. You're not scared of being punished. You're doing it because you know how much you owe Hashem. And you do it out of love. Hazal tell us, when you make teshuvah me'ahava, you know what happens to your averot? All the Averot that you did, they don't just disappear. If you do Teshuvah out of fear, they erase the sins. But if you make Teshuvah with love, you get you walk out of this class and say, you know what? I have a chance to make Teshuvah Me'ahava. I can make Teshuvah this Elul Me'ahava. You know what happens to the sins that you all did? They turn to mitzvot. They turn to merits. Because it shows that you learned your lesson and you're on your own coming. It turns everything into a mitzvah. Amazing. That's the Pasuk saying. Says David Amelech, The sins that I made, please erase them. But when I realize your kindness, when I realize how much you love me and I'm coming close to you, Zecholiata. No, no, don't erase them. Remember those sins. Because those sins are all going to be mitzvot. That's why it says in the Pasuk, Veshavita Shivyo. What's Shavita Shivyo? All the spoils he took from you in your life when you were 13 and 14 and 15 and 18 and 20. He took so much from you. Imagine how much he has said on his bucket that he keeps tricking you for the last 30, 60 years, 80 years, he's ta- 90 years, he's taking from you. These, these are all the spoils of the Yetzirah, says the Pasuk. If you go to war, not only are you going to beat him now, all the spoils that he took from you all these years, you're going to bring it back to your side of the fence. All those will be mitzvot. All your negative experiences will come back to become your agent and be your helper. Shem should bless you all. Have a beautiful day. Hazak Baruch.